This is Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. Really quickly, let me just give you a quick intro to this particular sermon series. Jesus preached with illustrations using earthly ideas like uh, shepherds, and he would talk about a field, trying to explain heavenly principles. And so really, that's what this series is about taking things that we understand, taking earthly uh, illustrations and turning it into showing how does the kingdom of heaven work? How does spiritual principles work? And so I'm excited to jump into It's a Wonderful Life. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have actually seen this movie? Because I've been shocked by how many haven't, but many of you guys have seen it. So for those who haven't, this is your lucky day. <laughs> you, this is such an incredible movie and most of you just said, black and white? Nope, not watching it. <laughs> but that, that, that's one of the reasons I picked it this time, because I love this movie. So we're, we're going to kind of jump into it. The Christmas season is a season uh, that should be filled with hope. And in fact, we talk about Jesus being the hope of the world. And when Jesus is born in the manger, how, what, what light that brought to the world. And so it should be a season filled with hope. But what happens is we actually see more often than not that the stark contrast between a great hope and a great lack of hope. And so that's what I want to talk about today as we look at this movie. Those of you who already seen the movie, then you'll have a pretty good idea of where we're going. But Christmas is a season of hopes and dreams, but it's also a season of broken hopes and dreams. And so, really quickly, I want to talk about George Bailey is the main character in this, in this film. And George Bailey, uh, as you will see, he, he grows up in a small town. And in this small town, there's a lot of drama that's happening between uh, himself and, and uh, uh, another guy, Mr. Potter. And in this clip that we're going to watch first, you'll see that there are some angels talking about George Bailey on Earth and how he has a problem, and they need to go and help him. And so Clarence Oddbody, the angel, is commissioned or sent to help him so that he might earn his wings after 200 years of not being able to earn his wings. So he's kind of a, a, a bumbling kind of a, an angel, but it, it's a really great, uh, really great watch. So watch this. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? You will spend that hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir, if I should accomplish this mission, I mean... Uh, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now. Certain people are beginning to talk. What's that book you've got there? Oh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Sit down. Sit down? What are we... If you're going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course. Well, I... keep your eyes open. See the town? Where? I don't see a thing. Oh, I forgot. You haven't got your wings yet. Now, look, I'll help you out. Concentrate. Begin to see something? Why, yes. This is amazing. If you ever get your wings, you'll see all by yourself. Oh, wonderful. Yay! 
Hey, who's that? That's your problem, George Bailey. A boy? That's him when he was 12, back in 1919. Something happens here you'll have to remember later on. parts of that movie that I don't think are supposed to be funny, but I think they're pretty funny, and I love the little, <laughs> that it's a pretty eccentric movie. So when the angels are talking about going to help George Bailey, I, I like whenever they're describing that he needs, he needs our help, and then Clarence says, what is he, sick? And the, the line is that, no, he's not sick, it's worse than that, he's discouraged. I think in what is it, 50 years or, or however long it's been or more since this movie was made, I think we still have a society full of uh, people where we think that we're okay if we're not sick. But the, the issue of being discouraged, especially at Christmas, especially, especially like I talked about the contrast between where there is so much hope and where there's not any hope where we get discouraged and where we, where we get let down or feel, feel a, a loss of hope or hopelessness, it can break us down more than almost anything else. And a lack of hope can be worse than being sick. A lack of hope can be worth, worse than being sick. So Proverbs chapter 13 is where I want to start with this verse. And Proverbs 13, 12 describes this particular uh, concept of, of losing hope and having a loss of hope and I think it describes a lot of people in our world today. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's the contrast. That's where a lot of people are, are living right on that line between a loss of hope and their a hope that's been taken away or maybe they had hope at one time and now it's gone. It's a heart sickness. But the answer, the other side is being fulfilled. Longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so whether they're like our character, George Bailey, who actually ends up in a really, really dark place. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what the, what the, the deferred hope is that you carry. The thing that 
you had hoped for and dreamed for, but for whatever reason it's been taken or lost or delayed or all of those things can make us heart sick. Maybe it's dreams that you had for a future or for family or for uh, friendship of a certain kind. Those dreams get dashed. But one of the symptoms of uh, hopelessness is disor disorientation. It, it means that when we lose hope, we don't have hope. It's almost like we get to this place in life where we see a lot of people like this that, that it feels like they're kind of lost. They don't know where they're going. Or they don't, you, you, if you ask people, what, what do you want out of life? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what is it that you're missing? In fact, it disorients you completely. So you don't know where to go. And that's one of the problems with being lost. You don't know how to get unlost. And so when we lose hope and we find ourselves in that place of hopelessness or when we look around the world and see people wandering hopelessly, it's almost like they're helpless because they don't know where to go or what to do to find hope or to get themselves. It's like if you're lost driving the streets. And nowadays, I remember before GPS, I could drive around for an hour trying to figure out where I was. But with GPS, boom, you know, you could, if, unless you lose the signal, you don't know where you are. But in life, it's the same way. We get to a place where, uh oh, hopelessness. What do I do now? I don't know. Go find medication. Go find a, a counselor or go see someone. Or go, like that. We look for professional outlets or we look for maybe I should read a self-help book or maybe I should go to this class or maybe this or maybe this. Job chapter 17 describes uh, just that feeling and just that place of hopelessness when he says, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Like who can help? Is there anybody out there? I'm telling you, we live in a world where there are people living this out. And maybe that's you sitting in the room today. Maybe it's not your whole life. Maybe you have some things all together, but when it comes to the most important things, when it comes to the things that you value the most, you're almost like, I don't know what to do. I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this. I, I'm going down this street. I'm going down this street. I've talked to this person. I've talked to this person. But I can't figure out where to go. Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. We get lost. We can get lost, disoriented, and here's what happens. Whenever you're disoriented for long enough, what happens? You start drifting. Inevitably what happens, and I'll keep using this illustration, that when you're lost, even driving up and down the streets, What's, very, what's most likely to happen is if you don't find it pretty quickly, eventually you'll just drift away from where you're supposed to be altogether and then figure out, man, I'm so far off course. I got to make, make my way back in the other direction. And in life, we do the same thing. If you drift around, if, you, if you're disoriented long enough without hope, you start drifting. And the final the final level of that from disorientation to drifting eventually will lead us to despair. If we, if we never find our way, if we're just wandering hopeless, and that's why people talk about how there's such a high level of suicide during the holidays, such a, such a high level of people just saying, I don't know what to do for so long, what's the point? At some point you can walk around so long. I remember one time we went to the, to the state fair, 
with some friends in Dallas. They were from Dallas. We rode with them. We walked around, I promise you, for probably two and a half hours trying to find the car where we parked. I was just along for the ride, but at some point I said, dude, it's your car. <laughs> you parked us and walked us in and assured me that you knew where we were going. At some point, I wanted to say, hey, I'm taking over this trip. But after a while, we just it almost got to the point where we're like, I guess we're just going to sit down until everybody else leaves. And then, <laughs> I don't know. We're just lost. <laughs> if we keep walking around, <laughs> we're just going to end up living on the street here. That's, what, that's the way it feels like. But when we're in life, we're living life, not looking for the car, not looking, not on a project. When our life falls into hopelessness, disorientation, and drifting away from where we're supposed to be, how often do we land at that place where we just throw our hands up in despair and we just give up? That's kind of what happens with uh, George Bailey. He, he, he grows up in the town and Mr. Potter is, like the video said, the richest, meanest man in the county. And what he does is he ends up buying every other property. Every, he owns everything almost. And he, he, he's trying to control. In fact, he's trying to buy everything that George Bailey owns, but he inherited the building and loan uh, business from his from his father, and he's trying to help the city grow. He's trying to help the people of the city get uh, their own own their own homes and help them get their businesses established. and And Mr. Potter on the other side is trying to undercut him at every turn. And what ends up happening is very dramatic and very heartbreaking, even to watch. But before we go to that clip, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, We are under great pressure. This is where Paul describes the kind of hopelessness and the kind of despair. You might think, well, that, that's kind of isolated to certain people. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You can be doing the greatest work in the world. You can even be a Christian. How many of you know Christians can get discouraged? How many of you know people of God can be following in the right direction and still get lost and still find them place find themselves in a place of hopelessness and still come to a place of despair i don't care how spiritual you are or how much you think you have it together paul says it this way we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life it happens to all of us but i want you to know this I've said all those things not, not to bring us to a place of despair, but to bring us to a place of hope. I want you to know this, that you're here on purpose, that your life is not for nothing, and that God does have a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. You have to hear me say that because it's true. Sometimes we lose it. Sometimes we wander around looking for it, and we lose hope trying to put the puzzle pieces together and make sense of everything and, and we just can't make it fit. But here's the deal. Even in that place of not being able to see all the pieces, not being able to know how it fits together, you have to know that God knows how it fits together. So George spends his whole life trying to help the city, trying to help the people of the city and to push back against mean old Mr. Potter. And <laughs> one Christmas, Christmas Eve, he sends this 
big deposit. And he, he's going to make a deposit in the bank. And what happens is they lose $8,000 cash. And it just so happens, he doesn't know this, but it was an odd situation where Mr. Potter was there and ended up with the $8,000. And so uh, he can't figure out what's going on. He's going to lose his business. He's going to lose uh, his ability to help the city. He's going to lose his home. He's going to lose his, he's going to lose everything. And he lands in that place of absolute despair. Didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. I had to work quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. AS2, what, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. Hey, what's, what's 
with you? What, what, what would you say just a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. A lot of a lot of people find themselves in the same place as George Bailey, where he's ready to give up. He's ready to 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 throw in the towel, and it it's not uncommon to get to a place where you think the world would be in a better place if you weren't there. Sometimes we think about our lives. Well, what if I just ended everything? What if I what if I wasn't here? What if my kids would be better? My wife would be better? My house would be better if I wasn't struggling the way that I'm struggling. In fact, in America, 47,000 suicides happen every year. That's from 2017. Up from 41 or so in uh, 2014. That's, that's a lot. A lot of people are taking their own lives. That's three times the murder rate. Three times the murder rate in the United States. In fact, it is the highest uh, killer between young adults, 15 to 25 years old. A lot of people are taking their own lives. Maybe you're not the one that's sitting here in this room thinking about taking your own life, but it is a, it is a commonplace problem. That's incredible that we're even talking about it like that. But there are a lot... So, for all the ones who are actually at that place ready to take their own lives, how many others are close? How many others are still struggling with despair and just haven't thrown in the towel yet? How many of them are, how many people can we save? How many people can we bring hope to that are just in that place? So many. But suicide is not a solution. We think it's a solution because it's the ultimate solution, but it's not a solution at all. In fact, it's a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. In fact, it's a permanent solution to a temporary emotion. We feel a certain way, so we feel like we have to take our life or stop everything, and I don't think that people actually want to take their lives. I don't think that people actually want to end their lives. I think that people want to end the pain. They want to end the hopelessness and that heart sickness that we talked about earlier. That hope deferred that's making people's hearts sick. And maybe they're not at the point of suicide, but it is an epidemic of people who are living in hopelessness. And I think a part of that is that we have become so, uh, I'm not going to talk about PC or being politically correct, but man, we have become so politically correct that we don't talk about the real hope of life. We've taken God out of so many things. And we wonder why they're going so badly. So, George thinks my, my life would be better if I wasn't here. And so the George, the angel, finally, in the next scene, comes up with this idea, well, I'll show you what your life would look like if you were not in it. And so he, he makes the world to where George had never been born. So George spends a big portion of this the next few minutes, running all through the city, trying to find, he doesn't actually believe George because it's such a big thing to happen. He's running around and now the city, Bedford Falls, that they live in is no longer Bedford Falls, it's Pottersville. And he's running up and down the streets and there's nothing but bad stuff. 
bars and casinos and all the bad elements that he has tried to build up the community in the other direction, help people get their own homes and businesses and be a prosperous little community. Now, Mr. Potter actually owns everything. All of his friends, the people that he had grown up and raised and helped, and all of them were in really bad situations. And he gives them, the angel gives them this, this powerful gift. But really, what is that gift? Because I, I wish that we could all, I think it would be amazing for you to see what life looks like without you. Like, the impact that we have is so big. The influence that we have on people is so big that it would be vastly different if we weren't here, even though we seem insignificant in the scope of hundreds of millions of people in the country. But what he actually gives them is this gift of perspective. He allows them to see things in a different way. So we can actually experience the same thing. We can, we can think about things from a different point of view and get the same result without having to go through the whole process that George Bailey goes through in getting this powerful perspective. And he runs around. He, he finds out that his brother, whom he had saved in that first clip we watched, he sees that his brother is now passed away. He was never saved because he wasn't there to save him. He sees that his mother is a bitter widow. He sees that his his wife Mary is now single and lonely. And it, he goes piece by piece through his life and sees what it would be like if he wasn't there. Next clip is how perspective changes things. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? We went here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George... You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? She's, Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. Ah, oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary. George, don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know. You let me go. Mary, please. Oh, don't do this to me. Please, Mary. Help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. Help me. Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! 
Get me back. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. <laughs> so he finally gets to the place where he does what the, the right thing to do is. He spends most of the movie running away from his family. When all the bad things are happening, when the money goes missing, whenever Mr. Potter and all of his efforts start coming down on him, he actually ends up running away from his family, running away from God, running away from the good things in life. And isn't that true of us, that when, the, when we get to that place of hopelessness and we start to wander, we start to drift, and we start to get discouraged, we run away from the things that we should be running toward. But ultimately, he, he finds himself in despair and realizes when his perspective changes, I've got to get back. That's an incredible moment in any of our lives when we finally get to that place where I've got to get back and he turns to God. Psalm chapter 106 verse 40, 44 says, he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. That's God taking note of our distress when he hears our cry. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You might feel like, I've got to get away from this. I have, to, I have to find something new. I have to find the right way. And you keep looking and you keep searching and you keep trying it your way. But I want to tell you that you can call out to God. You can reach out to God. And as soon as you do that, just like that, God's right there. In the next scene, Clarence changes everything back. He, as soon as he says that prayer, he realizes, I'm back. God doesn't make us jump through a bunch of hoops to come back to Him. It's instantaneous. We can come back to Him in a simple choice and a simple decision. That doesn't mean that everything is fixed. But we don't have to understand everything to have hope. Hope can come back without all the answers coming back. And perspective changes that. Romans 15, 13 says, May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace. Doesn't that sound like Christmas? Through your faith in Him that you'll overflow with hope. And so I want to give you real quick in closing, I want to give you four ways that God gives us hope. When we call on the name of the Lord, when we reach out to God, four ways that He can give you hope today. So if you're that one that maybe you're not all the way at despair, maybe you're just at discouragement, like George Bailey was toward the beginning of the movie. Wherever you are in that scope, all you got to do is reach out for hope and hope can be found because he's a God of hope. The first way that God brings us hope is through his presence. So if you're taking notes, just write down God's presence. And I want you to know this, no matter what the atmosphere of your life feels like, like that temporary emotion that leads us to permanent decisions, no matter what that atmosphere of your life looks like, you can change it just by getting in the presence of God. And the easiest way I've found to do that is by, watch this. This is so easy. Instead of running away from the things that we should run to, we run to them. If you'll just take a worship uh, song, even one worship song, maybe 
two worship songs, five or 10 minutes. If you'll put that worship song on and engage it. I'm not talking about just turn on the radio and get a different sound in your car. I'm talking about, hey, pick a, pick a worship song. If you have to get a CD. I don't know what kind of media you use. My kids tell me, why do you still use a radio? <laughs> we have Spotify or apps on our phones that bring music. Just put something in your ears and then sing with it. Worship with it. Like turn your heart on to worship. All of a sudden, it's like turning the lights on. All of a sudden, here comes hope flooding in because whenever you, that's a perspective change. That's that moment where all of a sudden George Bailey is, he's not living in this world. It moves his view. Now he's seeing things from a different way and deciding, hey, wait, is this, this is, I need, I need something different. And if you can't worship, then just listen to it. Listen to the words of a worship song because worship changes perspective. And that's how we bring in God's presence. Psalm chapter 62 verse 5 says, Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. My hope. Can you just say that out loud? My hope comes from Him. My hope comes from Him. Isaiah 40 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. One version says those who wait upon the Lord. That's worship. Instead of running towards whatever we're running towards, just stop for a second and turn on some worship music and just wait on God. And He'll start to turn on that light of hope. The second way that God gives us hope is His promise. God's presence and God's promise. Psalms 119 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation. In other words, I'm longing, I'm waiting, I'm hoping for your salvation. I'm looking for it. Where are you, God? But I have put my hope in your word. That hope bridges the gap. That's, that's how we get from, I don't know where you're at, God. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to get from where I am to where I need to be. My hope is not deferred, though, because my hope is in your word. If you're trying to get that hope back, turn on a worship song, get into His presence, and then open up your Bible. And I don't mean, listen, some of us don't like to just read for hours and hours and hours, but here's what I can promise you. You can go get one verse. <laughs> you can pick out one verse and that one, that one passage, two or three lines, that can be hope to you. That can feed you hope. Maybe it's just coming to church on Sunday morning and listening. And, and if I read a scripture that just speaks to you, write it down. Sometimes my daughter comes home from school. She'd probably be horrified of, that I'm telling this story. But she'll have something written on her arm. And I'm like, would you write that on? The, so I'll remember. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that you take a marker to your arm. But you do whatever you got to do. Get that scripture. Get God's word and keep it in front of you. Because it's a lot better than wandering around hopelessly. I can ask you right now, what scripture are you standing on? What's the verse that's bringing you hope right now? If you don't have one, go get one. And let me give you a little secret. If you're looking for scriptures for hope or whatever situation you're in, if you thought, well, I don't know how to use, um, I don't know how to use, concordances and glossaries and all the Bible stuff. All that's for like pastors. Listen, 
I know you know what Google is. <laughs> Just Google Scripture for Hope. Boom. You got one. You got about thousands. <laughs> and if all you can do is read it on the screen and write it on your arm, take it with you. Get it. Put on a post-it note. Do something. Put it on your phone. Make it your background. Number three, God's purpose. The third way God gives us hope is in His purpose. Knowing that God has a purpose for me. Watch this. This is a verse. If you don't have one, take it with you today when you go. And if you have to, some of you, I see your pens moving. Write it on something. Not your arm. Jeremiah 29, 11. If you haven't fallen in love with this verse, you need to. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Now watch this verse. Even if you just get this line. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans to give you hope and a future. If you're standing, uh, metaphorically speaking, on the, on the guardrail of that bridge, there's your lifeline. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And it's a plan to prosper you and a plan for your future. Can you imagine God walking in and say, hey, I got plans for you. That changes everything. That, that takes away immediately. There goes the fog of despair. Because God has a plan. I don't, have, I don't even have to know what the plan is. I just have to know that he has a plan and trust that, hey, God's got a plan for me. You can't change my, my, my attitude now because God's got a plan for me. Would you tell the person sitting next to you, God's got a plan for me? Some of you aren't nearly as excited enough to say God has a plan for me. God's got a plan for me. Our final clip, I want you to know this. God's plan is easy enough to find. The way that we do that is growth track. In the next service, there will be people down the hall in growth track trying to find their purpose. It's not about joining a team or joining a church. I hope you do all of those things. But in growth track, if you'll give me four weeks, we'll find a piece or part or the right direction for God to start moving you towards his purpose for you. That's what growth track is. Taking a spiritual gifting, gifting test, personality test, trying to find that purpose. So George Bailey finds out things weren't as bad as he thought. He calls out to God, and, and all of a sudden he decides, I, I, I love my life no matter how bad it is. Final clip. Mary! Well, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. How are Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas, reporters. Are, where's Mary? Mary! Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! 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 Have you seen my wife? Mary! 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 Daddy. Daddy and Daddy! Kids! Pete! Kids! Janie! Janie! Tommy! Oh, let me look at you. Oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? We're looking for you. With Uncle she... Billy. Daddy! Zozo! Zozo, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine! Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. Ah, hallelujah! Hello? George! George, Mary, darling! Mary! 
George, Charlie, where are you? Oh, George, 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 Come on in here now. <laughs> now you stand right over here by the tree. Right. right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Oh, you them coming out. George, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Who's going to come, Daddy? Who, Daddy? Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody in here. George, Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They got it all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just said, George, in trouble. Tell me. What is this? Uh, like it's red like spirit. Another run on the bank. Here you are, George. Merry Christmas. Mr. Martini, a box of water. Hey, Brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs> present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. boy, Clarence. And so the story goes. The final piece of our lives doesn't always feel like, hey, and they lived happily ever after. Because that's how movies end up. But that's not how our lives always end up. We call in the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean everything's fixed immediately. We have the hope to bridge us. But of the four ways that God gives us hope, I'm going to give you the last one and we're going to close. But it's a place. It's not, it's not a thing. It's not His presence does wonders. His promise is amazing. Listen, His place is something that He's prepared for us. I think we put too much stock in this world. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He was talking about heaven. When the, when the disciples were discouraged in John chapter 14, Jesus tells them this, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me, in my Father's house. That's heaven. There are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to there to prepare a place for you. That's the same, same is true for us. He's preparing a place for us. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, says, And God reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life, and it's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting him. It'll be yours in that coming last day for all to see. So be truly glad, watch this, that this wonderful joy ahead, even though, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. It doesn't matter how bad, how dark things get, how far off track we get, we have a hope. Not just because God's with us and He has a plan for us and He has a purpose, but that He has a place prepared for us. And so no matter what happens on this earth, to be absent here is to be with Him in that place of hope. Maybe you don't know if you're ready for that place. You don't know if you died today, if you'd be in that place because you don't know what your relationship with God looks like. But today with one decision, you can fix that. I'd like to give every person in this room an opportunity with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have never given your heart and your life to Christ and you want to say, I, you want to secure today, I want to be in that place with Him when I leave here. I want the assurance and the hope of heaven today. You can have that. And so with no one, no one looking around, if you want to be included in that prayer, would you just raise your hand up right now? Right now with nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. I want us to say this prayer together. Would you repeat these words after me? Everyone in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I want you to bring me hope like your word says. I want the hope of eternity. I want your promise. I want your, your, your plan for my life. And I want your presence. And so forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you, and we're speaking life over you, and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.